Now remember, this, this is what God forecasts us through the prophet Isaiah. He says, I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? These new things, they're, they're, they're contagious. They're infectious, right? And so if you tap into the well of what God is already doing in your parish, you will influence that change. It's not as quick of a catalyst as the pastor saying, hey, let's do this. But it does resonate. And over time, it does bear fruit. If you work for the Catholic Church and want to avoid burnout, overcome team dysfunctions, and put more souls in the pews, we're here to help. I'm Ty Hua here with my co-host, John Kahns, and we're providing leadership development for Catholic ministry professionals. Today, we're answering the question, how do we work better as a parish team? Over these past few weeks, we've been covering topics in the realm of that second pillar of the Catholic ministry professionals framework, which is better work. Today, we have some tips on how to optimize your teams, In future episodes, we'll be tackling meetings, communication tools, and budgeting for building the kingdom. Hey, John. Ty, it's good to be with you. So good. Um, By the time our listeners listen to this, Easter would have came. Jesus would have uh, ascended back to, not ascended, that's not the right word. He's resurrected. Risen. He is risen. Risen. There it is. Um, so happy Easter. Happy Easter. He is risen indeed. Yeah, it's a good time. Hallelujah. I we discussed previously how um I gave up snacks and I came into this week and it, it feels like it's that last big push because I'm Jones and Hard. I feel like I had it conquered and then all of a sudden good old Satan, he's like just weaken John. But I know if I weaken in one area, I'll weaken in them all. So I, I ain't doing it. I'm doubling down. Just not going to eat. Not till Easter. Hold hold strong. <laughs> not not going to eat. <laughs> I'm just going full tilt. Full tilt into it. <laughs> well, I'll pray for you. I appreciate that. I need the prayers. Dear listener, please pray for me. Uh, let's kick it off with a little story time. And this goes back to a previous parish that I worked in. Of course, most of them do. Uh, at this parish, we had a really great team. Um the people on the team, they wanted to do work for the kingdom. That was excellent. They were hungry to do all things well. And when I came in, that was a natural fit for me. But one thing that we noticed we lacked in was the efficacy of our meetings, the way that we met. It just they, they weren't necessarily awful, but they weren't where we wanted them to be in order to propel the church forward in its mission. And I came across this organization. It's called Amazing Parish. It is an excellent program, people. If you are excited about having better meetings, all those things, they do have really good free resources for you. It's Amazing Parish. Uh, Just give them a Google search. I'm sure you'll find it. So they put on these conferences, and our team decided we were going to go. We were going to spend a whole weekend together looking at how our team functioned, the way we met, and how we could set goals and achieve them. And it was awesome. We go to the conference. Everything changes. Our meetings are... You know, it's a little bit different, kind of takes a mind. You kind of have to switch your mind up a little bit in the way you normally think a meeting would run. And we were doing really good for a few months. And then uh, we had a baby. My wife and I had a baby. And I was on paternity leave for a few weeks. And when I came back, everything had reverted to the way that it was. And so as 
as someone who was really excited about this new way of doing things, this this new way of operating as a team, it was hard for me to come back and see that we had lost some momentum. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more as we step into this topic, but that's really what today is about. It's about how we build that better team. What are tools, tips, tricks? What are the ways that we really buckle down and make that switch, kick it into the next gear, begin operating uh, as a team on a higher level with more efficiency? As we look at how we're going to build better teams, we're going to look at one really important thing, and that's that everyone has a role, but not everyone is bound for the exact same work. And as we were preparing for this episode, one thing that came to mind for me was Jesus choosing the 12 disciples. He didn't just choose 12 random dudes. He chose 12 specific people. And as we go through the Gospels, we see them being given different tasks, right? He calls them to different places, even calling them into different moments as his identity is revealed, right? The transfiguration, not all the disciples were invited to the mountaintop, just the big three, Peter, James, and John. And this is... This, this team that Jesus forms is a fruit of prayer. It's very intentional, and it's for the purpose that he intends. It's not for everybody that shows up, and he's not just filling the room with warm bodies, as we sometimes see in parishes when we're like, I need to have 34 classes for religious ed, so I need 34 people. If you're willing to help, we'll take you. No, he, he was specifically calling people into these ministries and giving them specific roles based on the gifts that they were given by God. And we see this again, the, the episode with the Gerasene demoniac, right? There's this crazy guy bruising himself with rocks. He, people try to chain him up. He just rips the shackles apart and runs around naked and scares people. That's, that's his thing. Jesus shows up. He heals him. And, and this demoniac, he, the former demoniac, this healed demoniac says, Jesus, I want to come with you. And Jesus says, no, go to your home and tell people what God has done for you. That that was actually the better role for him as opposed to going along and becoming a disciple. This is essential to any team. Again, everyone has a role, but not everyone is bound for the same work. Not everyone's going to be great as the same at the same work. And so we have to really look at our teams. So if you're in charge of a team and you want to build a better team, there's two main things that I want you to focus on going forth from this episode. First, you're going to come up with a very clear vision statement for your team. If you're going to change things, right? If you want to lead better, you need to tell people where you're going and why. If you're going to shake things up on your teams, chances are they're really ingrained in the things they've always done, and it might not be an easy pivot for them. So they need to know not just that you want this, but why this is good, why it's good for you, why it's good for them, why it's good for the parish, and how it fulfills that mission. Anytime you're going to work toward change, you need to cast that vision. Right? And so you might say something, we're going to take some time to realign our team dynamics because I want to make sure that we're making the most disciples we can out of this parish. I mean, you're just going to come up with something that really explains how at, the, at its essence, this is about helping us to make disciples. It's about helping people to know the Lord Jesus Christ, to be repentant and to transform their lives with an encounter of his divine love. So that's the first one. Come up with a clear vision statement so that you can just like cast that vision for them of what it'll be like when you are living in the will of God. The second one is that you're going to invest time in learning the actual skills of the people on your team so that you can implement them in the most effective way possible for building the kingdom. And you're probably going to need to do this in the form of an of a, like an offsite team meeting. 
It says this is important enough that we're going to break some time away from our normal schedules to really focus on getting to know each other and look at how we operate, how we function as a group, as a team. And there's a there are, there's a hundred different kinds of um, leadership development schools, strengths finders. Um, one of my favorite is the six types of working genius. I like that one especially in parishes because it's it's mind numbingly straightforward. It says these are the six types of people that you need to have on a team if you want to achieve success, right? And of course, it's ge- it's geared towards the um, the secular world, right? The, just the business world. But it's 100% applicable and practical for any team. So you can use it in a parish. It's the six types of working genius. That's by Pat Lencioni. Another good one, Strengths Finders, Myers-Briggs. Again, all of these are looked at assessing. They're tools for assessing the people on your team to understand what their gifts are, what they bring to the table. And as you do this, you're going to get a lot of insight into how your teams function or the individuals on your teams function. You'll have opportunities even to directly address some of the maybe the normal issues, the bottlenecks that you have in the workflows you encounter because you might realize, hey, this person, this work gets bottlenecked around this person because they actually hate doing that work. So maybe the person who's geared towards that kind of work, that could get shifted over to them, and that would free up the other person. The other person would get more life out of doing that different type of work, but it creates an opportunity to really practically discuss the work that we do, how we can do it better, how we can utilize the gifts that God has put in the room. And here's a big one. If you're the pastor or you're the person who's usually in charge of these meetings, you may realize that there is someone on your team that no longer needs to be there, and that's okay. (laughs) It's not the end of the world. It maybe just means that you're going to restructure how you're doing your meetings, and this one person doesn't need to be part of this big team meeting, this big leadership meeting. To think back on the story that I told earlier, we had this team that was really excited about moving forward, trying something different. I went on paternity leave, and when I came back, we weren't doing those meetings in a new way anymore. We had reverted to the old ones. And that's because the person who was in charge of those meetings wasn't fully on board with the new way or couldn't just wrap their mind around this new way of doing things. And in general, probably wasn't the right person to be leading means anyway, these meetings anyway. And so as you're doing this, you might find out in the context of learning about yourself that you're not good at leading meetings. And that is okay right? Embrace that. It may be the most freeing decision you've ever made because you're able to just bring all of yourself with your energy to the meeting and you can actually offload the running of the meeting to someone with that gift that can help to propel you guys, to help propel your team um, and bias it towards action and getting things accomplished. And that's okay because you can still lead even if you're not the one running the meeting. Does that make sense, Ty? Yeah, absolutely. What you just described is probably the same way that Moses felt coming back down the mountain and his people are worshiping a golden calf. (laughs) Not the same thing, obviously, but it's like, I thought we were doing a new thing, right? You came back excited, man, these guys, I set them up good. They should be doing a really good job. And you walk into... I would almost imagine you could feel it in the air of this old way of doing meetings, the old way of taking care of business or not taking care of business, however you look at it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, to- makes total sense. Okay, I'm glad. Sometimes I'm, 
for for you dear listeners sometimes i spout things off and then i need to make sure that <laughs> i'm not just going into la la land cuz it makes sense in my brain but what comes out of the mouth doesn't always here's what i will say about people who shouldn't be leading meetings that are in leadership roles that feel they have to be the person leading the meetings and what ends up happening is that every individual in that meeting knows this meeting is going to suck <laughs> and what I mean by that, it's going to suck the life out of them. It's going to mm-hmm. suck the energy out of them. I remember multiple meetings. I won't say who, I won't even say the, the role in the companies that I've been a part of. But you just go into it knowing this is going to ruin my week. Or if it's a Friday meeting, man, this is going to put a very sour taste in my mouth heading into the weekend. So people need to take assessments like you said with those six geniuses the uh briggs and is it briggs and myers it's, uh, Meyer, yeah myers briggs the other way around yeah i'm dys- dyslexic but whatever uh i really like the disc assessment you know where it talks about the f- the four primary personality types you got your dominance influence steadiness and conscientiousness so those are really awesome to know if I'm dealing with somebody and they're also color coded. If, if I'm dealing with a red, here's how I should handle the conversation versus somebody that's a green or a blue or a yellow. So those are really useful. And I do recommend that everybody take part in something like that, even if it was just for yourself, right? You could do the 17 personalities. You could do the, even the Enneagram right? If you're a num this number with a wing of another number. Um, my wife, if she's listening to this, that's when we first started dating, we knew each other's numbers just so that we're able to better communicate. Yeah. And that's the, that to me is, is the beauty of it and do one, do all of them because what it does is it gives you tools for interacting with other people. And the more insight you have into the way that they think the way that they process information the more intentionally you can approach them with whatever it is that you need to approach them with that makes those intentional conversations those crucial conversations way more successful when you understand the person that you're speaking with and and I'll say too this isn't a one time fix it's not like you're going to do this one offsite that I suggested um and then it's it's just going to be fixed it's an ongoing process. That's essentially what happened with this parish that I spoke about, That I was this team that I was on, is they stopped practicing it. It just was hard, you know? And so instead of sticking with it long enough to make it engraved habit, they stopped. You have to make this commitment to change, the continual transformation of your team. And and the more you do it, the more tools you're going to get to to ultimately like fine-tune the people that you have to cultivate your vineyard. And again, this is all about cleaning your corner. It's that second pillar, which is working better, cleaning your corner. We talked about Proverbs last week, uh, chapter 24, verses 30 and 31. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man without sense. Behold, it was overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles and its wall was broken down. We need to steward our vineyard. And these are just more tools for doing that. Uh, And I would say too, so... Just to wrap it up, it's it's those two steps. And the first one is to come up with that vision that you're going to tell your team that, that will move them, set their eyes forward and bias them towards action to move that way. And then investing in that time 
to actually learn the skills of the people on your team so you can implement them better. And if you want help planning that out, I do want to encourage you. Visit catholicministryprofessionals.com. Click on send a message to get in touch with us directly. We'd love to work with you. We'd love to help kind of plan those types of events and just even help spitball how you might get that ball rolling. Let's move on to Devil's Advocate. I'm not even going to do the noise. I was wondering what song. Protesting until, <laughs> I'm going to protest until you find something in there. It hurts. I just thought that was part of our yeah. shtick. I guess now it's just lame banter and my disappointment that people will listen to <laughs> as an introduction. <laughs> Anyways, John, that's all good. That's all fine. It's all dandy if you're the one in charge. But what if you don't have any decision making? Like if I want to make change, but I don't have any decision making ability to influence the entire staff. How would you answer that? I'm glad you asked, Ty. If you, yes, all the information before was essentially if you've got the ability to make decisions on behalf of the team, that's what that previous information was for. But I want to throw this back to episode three and how to change the culture of your parish. If you're listening, you are a Catholic minister professional. You are a leader. And leadership is not about the number of things that you're in charge of. It's about the influence you have to move people. The simplest way to inspire people to move is to tell them where to go and why with clarity and transparency. That is it. Clarity, consistency. Influence is gained. It's gained in those relationships. It's gained through conversation. So throwing it back to that episode three, you have to discern the will of God for your parish and you have to cast that vision for everyone of what it will be like when God's will is accomplished here. And it will be. I promise you, if you do this, it will resonate with, it'll activate the Holy Spirit as he is working already in their hearts, and this will bear fruit. Over time, the conversations around you are going to begin to change. These questions will arise in people's hearts about the thing that you are doing, and that is your opportunity to speak truth, to speak change into the dynamics of your parish leadership. And I believe, and I've seen this happen time and time again, eventually your pastor, if it is truly the will of God, like his heart is hungry for that, not just in his own world, but in the people he works with. And when somebody activates that in him, he's going to start to use that language that you're using to discuss what he wants to see happening in the parish. Now, remember, this this is what God forecasts us through the prophet Isaiah. He says, I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? These new things, they're 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 contagious, they're infectious, right? And so if you tap into the well of what God is already doing in your parish, you will influence that change. It's not as quick of a catalyst as the pastor saying, hey, let's do this, but it does resonate. And over time, it does bear fruit. Let's move on to some actionable steps. There's two steps here. The first is that you're going to commit to assessing your team by setting a date for an offsite team builder. Now, you may not be in charge of your entire staff or your parish team, but maybe you can do this in the context of your ministry if you're a DRE or if you are potentially running some committee with the parish, you can still plan an event with them to do some team building. So commit to assessing, set a date for an offsite, find something that works for everybody. That is your deadline to get ready. 
And that's what the next step is for. I want you to identify three successful business leaders that are in your parish. Once you find them, schedule a phone call or coffee, ask them what tools they use to assess and build their teams, and and even maybe they can be there to help as a unbiased third party in the room to help facilitate this team building opportunity. And I promise you, they are going to be delighted to use their expertise to work alongside you in the vineyard that is going to make their day. So step one, commit to that team training, that team assessment as an offsite. Step two, find three successful business leaders and, and schedule a phone call. Learn from them. And that is going to be one of the best ways that you will learn to be a better leader. Guys, thanks for listening to the Catholic Ministry Professionals Podcast. If you found today's show helpful, please immediately text it to your pastor and a friend in Catholic ministry, and then leave us a review. We want your feedback. Let us know what questions our content raises for you. Go to catholicministryprofessionals.com and click on send a message. Those messages, they come right to us. They come into our email and and they help us to refine the content to better serve you. With that, we'll see you in the vineyard.